This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. You're listening to Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell, taking you back to when movies were actually good. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? When music wasn't auto-tuned. When TV only had a few channels. And now, here's your host, Tim Nidell. Welcome everybody to a brand new episode of Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell. That is me. If you would like to, I would like to invite you to follow me online. It's at Tim underscore Nidell. My website is also timnidell.com. And I do a YouTube channel. I do vlogging, I do Disney trips, I do celebrity interviews. If that interests you, jump on over to YouTube. Just type in my name, Tim Nidell, and you'll find me. And I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. It would mean the world to me, honestly. All right. Uh, My hand is doing much better. Thank you for asking. If you listened to the last episode, I uh, had a broken hand. Couldn't use my right hand for about six to seven weeks. Still really can't use it 100%. But I'm managing. I'm able to edit some now, so I have a brand new episode for you guys because of that reason. In this episode, I'm going to celebrate one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. And I'm talking the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, I guess you can kind of argue if this is a comic book movie or a movie based upon a cartoon series because it does take a lot of things from both Wow, did I really just say both? <laughs> it takes a lot of things from both the animated series and the comic book. So it's kind of a mixture of both of them. And uh, I almost said it again, didn't I? Wow. And uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I was in love with it. And I still am today. It's still an amazing, amazing movie. And for this episode, I'm going to bring you two interviews from the movie. First one I'm going to play is my interview with Judith Hogue, who played April O'Neil, of course. And the second one you're going to hear is with the voice of Raphael himself, Josh Pice, my favorite character for the movie. So once the uh, Judith interview is over, make sure you don't leave because the Josh interview will be playing right after that. And I guess we'll start with the interviews. Here is my interview with Judith Hogue. Hey, Judith. Hi, I'm so sorry. I I was wrapping up a phone call. (laughs) Nope, you're just on time. I don't mind at all. Perfect. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Which one are you in this picture that I'm seeing? Let's see. I am the one on the right-hand side looking straight at the camera. Okay, got it. Awesome. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm all right. You know, the Montana fires are getting me down, but, you know. what's going on? It's crazy. It's like over 600,000 acres burnt so far. Man. It's yeah. in times, my friend. It's in times. I know, seriously. <laughs> it was. Um, I would. I literally just got back from Nashville uh, last night, and as I was leaving town on um, when did we leave? Uh, Saturday morning. Uh, you know the it was burning on the ridge. I I live where I could see like where I was heading towards the airport. I was heading out of the Bob Hope Airport, which uh-huh. is in Burbank. And the whole ridge was on fire. It was wow. just crazy. It's, it's yeah, so. so odd that, you know, the and South. And I have family in Florida exactly. batting down the hatches because here comes, like, another storm of the century. I know. This is, like you said, end times, honestly. <laughs> well, it might be time to start paying attention to what we're doing to the planet. I don't know. Yeah, I know, exactly. 100% agree with that. Maybe. Maybe, maybe there's um, possibilities that... The Earth does what the Earth does, but we also have a vast impact on what exactly. we're doing. Exactly. I think it's a good 50-50, you know, both ways yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah, so. Anyway, we made it. We sure did. We're chatting. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on. I've, I've been a huge fan of your work since, I guess, Ninja Turtles. Probably even earlier. I know I've seen some of your earlier stuff as well. well but So you. this is an honor to talk to you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So my show is all about reliving those childhood fond memories through either (laughs) cartoons or animated movies or stuff like that. So 
what kind of a childhood did you have? Did you watch a lot of cartoons as a kid or uh, animated features? I did. You know, we didn't have as much because, yeah. you know, back when I was growing up, there were only, you know, you had the basic channels. I think we had like four stations. So the things that I grew up on that I loved was the Looney Tunes. Yes. Um, cartoons. It was all Bugs Bunny and the real classics. Those were fabulous. I mean, they were even, you know, before my time, but that's what we grew up on. Um, my favorite influences in terms of like actors, I was a massive, um, I love Lucy fan. Uh-huh. I just loved Lucille Ball. I loved, you know, I was growing up in that 70s TV, so I love Mary Tyler Moore. I loved Carol Burnett. And on Saturday mornings, you could watch The Little Rascals. Ah, uh, yes. And adored those. <laughs> and in the afternoons, you could come up from school, and we had something called Creature Double Feature. Oh. So you could watch scary movies there. So, I, I mean, I definitely, there weren't as many animated things. It was it was really just Disney and Warner Brothers at exactly. that point. yeah. You know, I, so those were the things. And comic books. Oh, yeah. Did you ever read comic books? I did. I wasn't a huge fan, but I loved Vampirella. Oh, wow. I loved Vampirella and the Archies. That's how old I am. Although, <laughs> I have a friend who's on the new Archie series on the CW. So everything that's old is new again. I know. It's so weird. I guess people our age are starting to kind of take over and kind of want to yeah. relive their memories by making these newer versions of them. nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. subscription box yet with an exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. So let's fast forward to 1990 when I first saw you as an April O'Neil on the Ninja Turtle movie. How did you get attached to that movie? Well, I was living in New York and I was shooting a movie at the time called Cadillac Man and the script came in and my agent said, this is, it's got a really weird title, but it's a really sweet script. <laughs> and he used to call it the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ah. Uh-huh. It's like Ninja Turtles. What are those? And I saw the script and I was like, you bonehead, it's Ninja. Ninja Turtles. Um, and I read the script and I just thought it was wonderful. And I went in and met Steve Barron, the director. And we got on really well. And right away they they wanted me to do the movie, which was very exciting because it was my first lead in a movie. Mm-hmm. And um, But then the dates didn't work. Because I was shooting Cadillac Man um, with uh, Robin Williams and Tim Robbins and Fran Drescher and a couple other folks. And um, they couldn't make the dates work. So I had the movie and then I didn't have the movie. And then somebody else got cast. To this day, I have no idea who. And then when my dates opened up, they somehow miraculously made it work. And... um, and then I was able to do them both. And then for a short period of time, I was shooting them both simultaneously. So I'd work in New York shooting that movie, shooting Cadillac Man, and then I'd fly on the weekends and do pre-production for Ninja Turtles. And then when I wrapped, I just went straight on to North Carolina and shot the movie. Wow. Yeah. It was it, a heady little experience. It was exhausting, but fabulous. Exactly. And I hear you have a great story about Robin Williams loving Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it was funny because people wanted to know where I was heading off to 
every, you know, like I really like hightail it out of there as soon as I could. I was always trying to get out of work on Fridays. And, you know, and rarely, I mean, actors love to work. Well, I do. Maybe not every actor. <laughs> I've seen some really bratty ones. But, yeah. um, you know, you love to work and, you know, it's fun to be there and do your job. And I was trying to wiggle out of it. Um, and so Robin was like, where are you always running off to? And I said, you know, I'm doing this other movie, but I was a little, I, I was unaware that there was a comic book, that there was a TV show. I, I bear for many years of my life, I barely had a television. And once I hit a certain age, I was just not, I just didn't have time to anyway. Um, and so I didn't really know that there was this whole thing happening, um, with kids and the cartoon and the comic books and, and so I said, I'm doing this movie, and I kind of mumbled the name. And he said, it's what? And I said, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he got this beaming, <laughs> as only Robin's face can be, gigantic smile. And he said, that's amazing. And he said, are you playing April? And I said, yeah. And he said, that I, he had the very first comic book. <laughs> and wow. so he was just thrilled. And it really kind of gave me my confidence to say that name louder yeah and sort of street cred and then when it was very sweet because when our movie premiered he flew his whole family um to the premiere and came out to support the movie and it was just really i mean robin williams i can't say enough nice things about him and i'm just so very sorry that he's not still with us he was gem of a human being yeah he was probably looking back at my at my lifetime he's probably the number one celebrity death that just kills me yeah, that one killed me too. Yeah, that Debbie Reynolds just slayed me. Oh, I know, because you worked with her as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and then Bill Paxton, who I worked with on Big Love, who I adored. That one really. There were a bunch. They kind of went in a. I mean, Robin yeah. was a, what now? I think two years ago. I think it's three years ago. Is it three years yeah. ago? And um, but there was like this slew that just kind of went bam, 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 and I it's know. Like, I know it's like please stop like and they're young they're all they're young under I mean, 65 wasn't young, but yeah. Carrie was young and Robin was young and to have Robin go the way that he did I mean I that's know. just really, I know really rough stuff did, did he ever tell you what he thought of the movie yeah he really liked it good good yeah 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 coming from a true fan somebody who's been there since number one since the first comic that's a true compliment yeah it really is and you know the fans have they still, there's such, it's such an, uh, joy and an honor to, um, be connected to a movie that has such wonderful memories for so many people. And mm-hmm. literally I've, I've traveled around the world. I've been in South Africa, you know, and out in places where you wouldn't necessarily, you know, in a restaurant in Soweto and wow. have somebody come up and talk to you about, <laughs> Ninja Turtles and and also I've did the the Halloween Town movies which mm-hmm. um, are also just I'm amazed I was just in Nashville this weekend and people just kept stopping me left and right they were I don't know there's a Halloween Town surge happening at wow. the moment yeah it's really wild I mean you did you did do like twenty of them right <laughs> I don't like it. yeah no we only did four but you know they I think when you do stuff for kids. Childhood is such an important time, and we we for better or for worse really solidify a lot of who we are. We do when we're kids. Like we make these judgments about the way life is, whether or not it's accurate or not, and carry it with us our whole lives. And that those early impressions just mean so much. So when you've had the opportunity to do stuff that resonated with so many people. It's a cool thing because, you know, I've done a lot of stuff and I, literally I've done over 100 projects and some are just like breezes in the wind, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that pe- I'm fortunate. I have a very loyal fan base and so people are interested in what I'm doing and, and um, follow my work and my career, you know, but some things land and when they land they land hard for sure yeah I, i'm the one i was 10 years old when it came out and so it really hit me hard the movie did and i loved it 
And uh, mm-hmm. I watch it all the time. I have three girls now, about uh, 5, 10, and 13. They love it, too. Oh, wow. oh yeah. I pity you. How's that going? <laughs> it's, uh, well, girls. all three girls. Oh, man. So, you're, yeah. getting, you're sitting back. <laughs> That's why I do my show. It, it's my escape. Right. Get me the hell out of here. Exactly. <laughs> But the good thing is my youngest just started kindergarten, so no more daycare yeah, fees. So that's saving cool. us money right there. Right. I know, right? It's like it's like six fifty a month here at least. Yeah, no, it's expensive. I, it's, it's crazy. Preschool, private school, and you have to pay for preschool year-round. So even if yep, they're exactly. not in, at least here. Yeah, same here. Even if they're not in, it's like, wait, I'm still paying. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a scam, I tell you. It really is. So let's talk a little bit about Jim Henson because him and his crew worked on the costumes for Ninja Turtles. Was he on the set much? Um, The creature shop basically set up a whole, and their creature shop was based in London, and they set up an entire stage or building um, in um, Wilmington on our lot, which was at the time, it was the Dino De Laurentiis Studios. And, um, there was, Brian really was his dad's, you know, number one guy on the ground. Well, he was still young then, but I mean, he was definitely a huge part of the company. There were a lot of people there, um, who worked so closely with him. Most of the, the puppeteers who did voice the turtles, uh, or not voice the turtles, but they did all the animatronics, Mm -hmm. um, were Sesame Street puppeteers. And so that was pretty thrilling. Jim was there briefly. And um, I will never forget, because we were shooting a scene, and I look off. There's something when you're working and and you're shooting, and you have things called your eye lines. Mm -hmm. And your eye lines are, you have an eye line to the camera and an eye line to the other actors, and then you sort of have sight lines around you. And if someone's standing in your eye line, then you can see them. I think it's, I think there's that infamous Christian Bale blow up on set. <laughs> and I think it was somebody who was in his eye line. Probably. And so it can throw you if they're not in, supposed to be in the scene with you, but you see them. I don't freak out on people. Um, and Lord knows what was going on, why he did, but exactly. that's not, neither here nor there. But, um, I looked over and Jim Henson was there and it's like, Jim Henson is just, he was, he's just a God. He is. Yeah. And, um, and I have a complete out of body experience that I'm acting and I'm talking to a rat who's partially part of his body's there and part of it's not there and I'm shooting on the soundstage and there's Jim Henson and I'm supposed to be doing this crazy scream that that Steve Barron really wants me to do that I'm t- having trouble with because it wasn't organic for me at all and um, and it was thrilling and I just kind of wanted to get through the scene because I really wanted to just go over and talk to him mm-hmm. uh, and he was just incredibly generous and incredibly nice and just as you know, down to earth, accessible as you could imagine. And then he died right after. Yeah, shortly after. It was May 1990, so right when the movie yeah, pretty much came out. Before, I'm trying to remember when we premiered. I want to say it was around May, too. Wow. June, something like that. It was a summer movie. And, um, and that was awful. Yeah. It was just awful. No, I have I have two people, well, actually three people I look up to in my life. It's my, my dad, number one, who passed away six right. years ago, um, Walt Disney, and Jim Henson. Right. The three right there are the people that I, you know, look up to and admire. Yeah. They they were amazing. And I can't, I'm sure your dad is right in there too, otherwise you would admire exactly, him so much. Exactly, yep. Um, but they really transformed the landscape. Oh, yeah. Of... of of animation and how, you know, and make believe. I mean, Disney himself had some practices that weren't so savory, but a lot of the things that he would do in terms of working with artists really was cool. Yeah. And, um, and it's fun. I love every time I go over to the Disney lot and it's, it's kind of a magical place when you're up in the old animation buildings and you're looking at the old, pictures and stuff it's really cool wow i would love to do that i've never gone to the studio or anything it'd be so cool to see yeah i think 
they do studio tours. I think they do. Yeah, I'm just not ever in the area when they do them. Right. Right. So yeah. So speaking of you know the imaginary, you know work you had to do on the set, I must say you did an impeccable job at pretending that the turtles and you know all the costumes were real. You know I've seen a lot of movies either it's CG or you know let's take Roger Rabbit for instance. Bob mm-hmm. Hoskins was probably the best person to ever work with an imaginary person ever on screen. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly feel that you're up there with them when it comes to pretending the turtles were real. Wow. Thank you. Well, you know, it was funny. I, I always felt incredibly lucky when I had an actual turtle there uh-huh. um, because it was these guys who were wearing the suits. They were so uncomfortable and claustrophobic Uh and hot. We shot in the middle of the summer in on sound stages that, you know, you can only run the air in between takes. And, um, so it was really hot to begin with. Plus they're just wearing pounds and pounds and pounds of padding and foam and a very small little part of their masks that or their headpieces really that even got air in and out and um it was so difficult for them to be in the costume so much of the time they weren't there the the thing is you know when you're a little kid and you're playing make-believe nothing is there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know if you're being chased by a tiger in the jungle there's no jungle there's no tiger but your heart is racing and you're you know you're panicked because it's coming to get you and so that same quality of play is what you have to um that's where you have to go and the challenge is to to be able to access that part of your imagination when there's all these constraints of people and time and saying lines and hitting marks and doing all the technical things that have to happen. Um, and, and you just have to like really surrender and play. And I think it's the, for me, it's when I'm in my happy, joyful five-year-old place Yes, that I'm able to, to do that. And when I'm not in that place, then I really kind of (laughs) suck. Yeah. And why didn't you do the second one or the third one? Well, you know, they fired me. Did they? Really? They did. Yeah. You know, um, a couple things happened. One was there were some real things that happened in the first movie that were kind of uncool in terms of hours, in terms of... Uh, okay how they were shooting in terms of safety issues. And, and, um, and so when we were going into the second one, I wanted to address some of those things. And I think that there was a combination of just some bad communication on both sides. Uh And, um, I, they, I think they just sort of went, screw this. We can deal with somebody who isn't going to make any demands on us at all. Wow. And, um, which is fine. It's their prerogative to do that. It wasn't my favorite thing that ever happened, but you know, those are, that's part of being in the business. I think it, you know, I know that there are people who really love Paige and, and I have to say, honestly, I've never seen the other two movies, so I can't (laughs) say what I have no idea how they look or what they turn out. Like, um, I have met Paige. She's lovely. She's a wonderful actress. I'm sure she did a great job. But I think that the fans were pissed, and at yeah. least that's the communication that oh, I got. 100%, and then yes. They came back to me at the third movie and wanted to know if I was open to doing the movie. And <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, I, I would be. Um, they said because the fans were pretty upset, and they didn't understand what had happened. And then uh, I heard in the grapevine that since the fans had gotten confused the first time, they didn't want to confuse them again. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, wow, thanks. <laughs> but it's fun. You know, yeah. it's what it is. You did not miss out on anything on the third one. It's it's not very good. Yeah, I heard some people liked the vanilla ice version, and then some, most people were not fans of the third one. Yeah, no, third one, I've never been a but fan they got, of. But they got Elias Cotet Exactly. Yeah, he was the he best was part of the life. third one. Yeah, I, I love him. He's an incredible actor. Yeah. Yeah, me too. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. 
And uh, and also Jim Henson's The Creature Workshop. They stopped making the suits in the third one, so they didn't make the suits in the third one. So they yeah. look they look horrible. Yeah, there was a whole like I don't know. I, you know, I wasn't privy to any of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, the entertainment industry can be a wily and devious place, and sometimes. You know, Jim Henson is such a cool guy, and that company was such a cool company. And to kind of, you know, go around them, or and I, I honestly, I'm talking out of school here because I don't, I don't, I can't even pretend to know what happened. Yeah, me either. But what I've heard is that they went with a different technology. Probably they were trying to cut corners. Yep. Probably they were trying to. I mean, I don't know. They did what they did. And I think that it shows on the screen. I agree 100%. So, from what I've heard, and honestly, I haven't seen it, but I've seen pictures of their faces and they look different. Yeah. I think they used them in the second one, but not the third one. I'm not quite sure how that went. Yeah, it just wasn't Don't as good. Guys, you know that better. Yeah. <laughs> just know that you were part of the best one, and that's all you need to know. Yeah. Well, that's what I've heard, and I'm honored to hear that. Even more so than the new ones, which you actually did a scene for the new one, and they cut you out. Isn't that weird? I know. I don't know what that's about either. Uh, and again, I haven't seen those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible. Well, you're busy. Um, you know what? I did. They wanted me to do the first one, and we couldn't work out scheduling. And then in the second one, they wrote me a cameo. And it was like three different scenes. And I was coming in to play April's boss. And then they wrote it out. And all I can imagine is that um, there were just story constraints. And sometimes you have these great ideas. And when you're putting the movie together, you know, um, things don't always, you know, you're telling a certain story. And it might be that they didn't, I don't know, they didn't want to take April in that direction. I, I don't think it had any, I, I didn't take it personally. Because um, I've been doing this for so long. Oh, yeah. Personally. Oh yeah. That is like um, uh, uh, for anyone who wants to be an actor who's listening to this, or anybody who wants to be an artist, take nothing personally. <laughs> it is a waste of time. You have no idea yep. what's going so on. So true. Okay, yeah. so what keeps you busy these days? I see you have a project coming out called Fishbowl. Did you want to chat about that for a little bit? Well, Fishbowl is a really cool movie. Um, it's uh, it was written by. Stephen Kinegopoulos and he and his sister Alexa, who she is such a visionary. The two of them are just really stunning young filmmakers. And uh, George Pelicanos, who uh, just he's executive producer and wrote The Deuce, which is on HBO. He's the executive producer of this movie. And um, it's a really interesting story about this family with these three girls and um, an alcoholic father. And I play the mom who comes back in flashbacks and it's sort of a, a, an end of world, you know, end of days story, or at least they think it's the end of days. And um, it's an interesting movie. I'm going on the 25th of this month. Um, They're doing a screening in Maryland and um, it's going to be doing film festivals, you know, fingers crossed. We'll Mm -hmm. be at Sundance and uh, it's a really cool movie. I had the best time doing it. It's it's, all these girls are unknowns. They, you know, asked me if I would consider doing it. I read the script and I was like, yeah, I'm in. Plus there's people attached to it that I really have a lot of respect for and, and have worked with and would probably do anything for. And it was a really fun project. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I have another movie coming out called, um, my girl. She's my girl. This is terrible. They changed the title (laughs) and, um, it's coming out this fall. And what's fun about it, it's got some great music that uh, it's like a young um, country star and he comes home uh, when a friend of his is uh, dies in a car accident and kind of reclaims his life. And it's one of these movies that given the climate that we're in right now, yeah, it is such a feel good movie. Good. Um, I just really, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, people are going to love this movie because it's 
it's like we need to feel good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and this that's one of those movies that will make you feel that way. And then I'm also uh, I recur on a show on Sci-Fi called The Magicians. Okay. It's sort of um, Harry Potter for the older set, and I'm I do uh, sex magic, and I play Alice, who's one of the lead characters. I play her absolutely crazy mother. And that is so much fun to do. And that season starts, I think, in the next couple of months. Next, I think it's in September, October, something like that. Wow, I've never seen it. Yeah, sounds really cool. And I see that yeah, Mackenzie it's Aston. It's called The Magicians, and um, it was a series of books. Oh, okay. And I, uh, by Lev Grossman, and um, really interesting. Huh. Really Interesting stories. Yeah, it's cool. You probably like it. It's I probably a, would. Yeah, you know, like Harry Potter for big kids. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little old for Harry Potter when it came out. See, I read Harry Potter to my kids. Yeah, my my girls they love it now. But uh, yeah, loved reading the books, loved the movies. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, that sounds cool. I'm saving it in my phone to check out the magicians. Yeah, start at the beginning. Exactly. I don't I think towards the end of the first season. Well, then I'll skip to the end of the first season then. There you go. I think episode 10 or 11, something like that. Okay, yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah. And uh, anything else coming up you wanted to chat about to promote or whatnot? Um, well, I'm, um, I was just back in Nashville. I have a production company called Sideways Kitty, and we're um, working on some of our projects and things that we're doing and it's a little bit under wraps right now but it's you know as I move into I love being an actress love 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 but uh you know producing and creating your own content is really yeah, where it's at exactly and so we're we're doing that and we we'd like to actually take it to Nashville just because it's just such a fun I don't know if you've ever been there but it's such a fun town I was on the tv show Nashville for for four seasons five seasons uh-huh. And um, I just fell in love with that town. And it's, you know, we're really close to Atlanta. And Atlanta has a huge, they've got Pinewood Studios there. And it's got a big filmmaking um, uh, platform there. And Nashville is just ripe for it. And I love it there. There's great crews. There's great people. There's great music. And um, it might not be bad to, you know, branch out from L.A. I love L.A., but it's, it's a, you know, I'm starting to, Crave the woods. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Slightly different environment. Um, and then also in October, we're doing a, a thing in um, Halloween Town is having a reunion in St. Helens. I believe it's on the fifth of October, and we're doing a tribute to Debbie Reynolds. Oh, so man. that's something we're all looking forward to. Oh. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, sounds amazing. A lot going on. Yeah, I stay busy. Well, Judith, I want to thank you so much. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of your work, not just Turtles. It's beyond Turtles. So thank you so much for coming on, chatting with me. Oh, my pleasure, Tim. It was just such a pleasure chatting with you, too. And that's going to do it with my interview with Judith Hogue. And we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with my interview with the voice of Raphael himself, Josh Pice. Thank you so much for your time. It, it really is an honor. This, I don't, I'm sure you hear this quite a bit, but Ninja Turtles is still one of my favorite all-time childhood movies. So thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. So I guess we'll just go right into it. Um, usually okay. our show is all about kind of reliving your childhood. That's why I'm talking to you right now because I adored your version of Raphael as a kid. I was doing some research on you this past week, and I saw that your dad actually worked with Albert Einstein before you were born. Is that true? That's absolutely true. My God. I mean, tell me about that. Did he ever talk about Einstein? He talked about it a lot. And actually, his work with Einstein and, well, really, my dad being a theoretical physicist Mm -hmm. really impacted me um, in many different ways, even in in terms of my acting, actually. Oh, really? But... um, in terms of, you know, he, I mean, so many stories, but uh, one story that really stuck with me was my dad telling me the last time he saw Einstein 
and he went to visit him. He was he was ill at that time, and he was Einstein was in bed. And uh-huh. my dad came. They worked together for eleven years, wow. and my dad came. You know, he knocked on the door, and Einstein was scribbling away doing calculations and came in and my dad sat down next to him and they had a conversation and um you know just kind of more chit chat than anything super profound and this story made such an impression on my dad and and it and made an impression on me as a result but so then my dad walked to the door um and turned around to say goodbye one more time to him and Einstein was back at work, like scribbling <laughs> oh and, and calculating. Wow. And there's something just kind of really, you know, beautiful about that. Yeah. Just his, you know, passion and his, uh, you know, to understand, you know, the physical world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in terms of how, you know, having a theoretical physicist as a, as a father impacted me as an actor uh, as a kid i remember him telling me you know i was you know i grew up in the east village and was very rough and tumultuous neighborhood and that it was you know the kids other kids fathers were like bus drivers or school teachers or drug dealers yeah. uh, all things that like a kid could comprehend um, and then my dad would just, you know, scribble these enormous calculations on these big blackboards. And, and I was sitting next to a small table and he said, you see this small table? I was like, yeah. And he said, you see your, your knee? I was like, yeah. And he said, they're both made out of atoms. They're both, you, the smallest part of that table and the smallest part of your knee are the same thing and they're atoms. And he said, uh-huh. your body is made out of atoms. And when I started auditioning after going to acting school, I w- had so much nervousness uh, when I would audition that it would just screw me up. Yeah. And once I and I I recalled that conversation with my dad and started to look at nervousness and body sensation in terms of atoms, in terms of movement in my body. And if I just actually felt the energetic movement of nervousness as opposed to calling it nervousness and then associating it with something bad, but if I actually just felt the actual atomic vibration in a sense, it became creative fuel as opposed to something I had to manage or get over. And and I also teach something called committed impulse, uh, which is a started out just as an actor training, and a lot of it, you know, starts with that premise about, you know, for anybody that needs to create or put their ass on the line to the next level, mm-hmm. they're going to feel more in their body, and, you know, I basically teach people to increase their tolerance for all of themselves, and that just creates creative invincibility basically nice yeah very cool now i am definitely a kid of the uh, 80s and early 90s and like i said ninja turtles one of my favorite all-time childhood movies i mean who knew that we'd be sitting right now talking about something you did in the late 80s called ninja turtles you know what i mean yeah i do know (laughs) yeah what did yeah, you think? When they, what did you think when you first heard the title of the film? Well, my agent called me and said, uh, "I have an appointment for you for this movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, to play the lead turtle." And I was like, <laughs> I, "I was like, can you say that again?" Because <laughs> uh, I had never heard of. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. At yeah. that time, there was just there were the comic books that were out, which were very dark and kind of culty, and they weren't mainstream, um, but they had certainly a strong, follow, you know, kind of cult following. Uh, but it had not crossed my path, and just the words did not. I had to. It just took me a while to <laughs> kind of see the words, and it's like, what is happening? Um, so, you know, that was that was my first reaction and 
you know, and my agent said, just go in on it. Mm. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, I went in, I did some couple, uh, I had, I had trained in some martial arts when I was, I used to get mugged a lot as a kid. That's in New York what I was City. wondering. Okay. Yeah. And so I had done some, when I was, I think I was 13, I started doing martial arts. And then once I started doing that, um, I was never, nobody ever messed with me again. I never <laughs> had to use it. Uh, but I think it just gave me an awareness, mm-hmm. um, and kind of sh- shift. Yeah. It just shifted my, um, shifted my awareness so that I wasn't probably prior to that. I was probably, you know, energetically inviting people to mug me. Um, but just that, that shifted a lot. So I did a, you know, I did a couple kicks, you know, kicks in the air and, and I created, you know, in the audition, like my sense was this was like a real New York street guy, like where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those guys were, especially the smaller guys, like they would walk in a way where they were trying to make themselves look bigger Uh and they would kind of move their arms in a way like they were pushing through space. Uh And it, and it almost reminded me, you know, as I was thinking like, how could I create this guy, this turtle, uh, you know, like turtles move that way too, you know, their arms go out to the side to pull themselves forward. And there was something similar about these some of these guys that I grew up with and so I started just playing with the physicality of how this guy moves and what he's wow. trying to prove and work work through and I even read that your it was your choice to give Raph that accent that we hear in the movie too yeah that was my choice and that was I think it was so connected to what I was doing physically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they just felt like they're, I had to do the voice. And, um, I think the other guys could have done the voice. Uh, but anyway, um, it didn't turn out that way, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I'm really happy that I got to do the voice because, you know, it just allowed me to create the being, you know, that creature as much as, as I possibly could. Yeah, because you had a vision of how you wanted it to sound and to look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, now, to be honest with you, when I was 10, when it first came out, I was a little upset he had that accent because I was so used to the cartoon series that just started airing briefly before that movie. And, of course, they sound like surfer dudes in the the cartoon series. But years later, as an adult, I need to thank you because you gave him that distinct personality he was so different from the other turtles and that's what i love about your Raphael. oh thanks man i appreciate that yeah i mean it makes sense too yeah. because why would there be surfers in uh, new york cities anyway you know what i mean so your character yeah. makes more sense than the other ones do yeah <laughs> yeah he's that de- he's he is different um i would get i mean i guess they're all different from one another but i i think he's more different than the other three mm-hmm. um and is you know I feel like he's got more uh, working through you know more stuff than the others are. Yep. Now, how often were you in that suit? Did you do the majority of the fights, or did you have like a stunt turtle double during a lot of those fights? Well, we trained for about three and a half months before filming uh, in. Brooklyn, and then we trained for at least three weeks while we in North Carolina where we were shooting. Um, so we did a lot of uh, a lot of tra- you know a lot of martial arts training mm-hmm. and using this you know for me using the psi. So the super impressive stuff I didn't do, <laughs> uh, but I did do a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I did I did do a lot. You know going. In, in and out of the fights that was me and if it was not an incredibly you know flying through the air kind of thing yeah um you know and they also didn't want me to get injured of course um, but you know i i did as much as i as much as i could and the and the stunt guys were obviously phenomenal yeah so speaking of the suit, I understand that they flew you to the uh, Jim Henson Creature Shop in London to get a uh, body casted. What yes. was that process like for you? 
Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I didn't, you know, it was still like, what's happening? Um, you know, once I got offered and they was like, we're going, you know, you're, we're flying you to London. So I went to the creature shop and that was just a magical place. You mm. know, there were all these creatures in different levels of completion and, um, and it wasn't, you know, this was pre CGI. So they had all this robotics, you know, I remember they had a wolf that they were working on for another project and they had all these robotics inside the wolf to make the lip, you know, go up to do a gnarl. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was just amazing how, you know, and it was, it, it was cutting edge technology for its time. Like they were just pushing the envelope. Um, so it was just magical to see that. And then they brought me into a room and there were <clears throat> two, ropes hanging looped ropes hanging from the ceiling and i put my which i put my arms in and then they just started uh i was like wearing like a body they gave me like a body kind of a a super thin body suit and they started doing the entire back of my body and you know we were just like chit-chatting and three guys were doing it uh, from the creature shop and just, you know, these really playful Englishmen and, and, you know, they're drinking tea and, you know, it's all, (laughs) all fun and games and they do the whole back of my body. And as they put it on, you know, the plaster starts to warm up. Um, and, and, you know, I was like, okay, they did the back of my body and then Uh. they started doing the front of my body with, you know, the back was all done and then they started doing the front and then, you know, they did the front from my feet up to my up to my pelvis and then that was one thing and then they started doing my chest and then it was like wait a minute like this is i'm complete i'm starting to get completely sealed up and this yeah. stuff is hardening and then they do finally they do my head and they and there's two straws coming out of my nostrils oh so my i'm God. completely sealed up in plaster except for my nostrils and I'd never experienced claustrophobia before, mm-hmm. but it was just like I couldn't move and I could just hear them talking and then kind of laughing because I was going mm-hmm. like, OK, like, let's finish up, you know, wow. but they had to let it, you know, they had to let everything harden. And I could hear them, you know, through this muffled sound, you know, kind of laughing. <laughs> oh my and um, and then I just you know, I've done yoga since I was six years old and just started, I was like, okay, I can't like panicking is not, it's not going to help me. And I'm, you know, it's just, I can't go there. And I just literally imagined this castle. I don't know where it came from and just walking through this castle and just seeing all the details of the castle and just kind of, you know, going, walking through this castle and it kind of got me, you know, through the, you know, through the time of it. Wow. And then, you know, and then they start cracking it open, you know, and that was just like, you know, it's just so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and then later found out that uh, they kept all of us in there longer than they needed to because they wanted to see how we would handle it because Uh they knew that what we were going to go through was going to be incredibly intense yeah so that was like a that was like a a test that we didn't none of us knew we were we were uh taking wow so you know so that's that's what that experience was like and then they put the two halves of the um you know, of the molds that they made of my body together. And then they filled that up with uh, some kind of a plaster so that, and then they cracked that open after that dried. And so there was, so they basically created my body Hmm. in this plaster um, mold, you know, in a plaster form. And then they built the costume onto that so that it would fit me exactly and it's still i i talk about it quite a bit 
those animatronics still look better than most things made nowadays. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Did you ever get a chance to to meet Jim Hansen while you're over there? Oh yeah. Yeah, we would we went bowling, we would, oh. we all hung out. Yeah, we would just cuz we were doing a lot of night shoots. Yeah. Um and so we had to you know, and sometimes we would start really late. Uh and so we would just do stuff to kind of uh like we'd go bowling at like seven or eight o'clock at night for a couple hours so that we are, we'd be awake and then start filming and wow. be up all night. I hear he's just a very humble, he was a very humble gentleman. That's what I heard. So, so true. Just like, you know, just in it to make things and just yeah. like a real creative. Yep. Like he was, there was no, no sign of ego. Like it wasn't about that for him. It was like, Oh, what can we do? Like, yeah. how can we make this? How can yeah. we make that? Oh, what about this? You know, just like a magical creative person. Yep. And it's a shame he passed away only, I think a month after the movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. But he was, it was, you know, I'm so glad I got to mm-hmm. spend that little bit of time with him. Tell me about slipping the mask on. Where do you see out of, and how much did you see out of the mask? Well, the, um, you know, the first of all, the whole costume weighed about 70 pounds. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. And, you know, they would suit us up from, you know, from feet all the way up to the head. Uh, so the shell would go on, the torso pieces would go on, and then the head would go on and would kind of have to kind of crunch it over your head and then it would kind of snap down and then they would start gluing it the kind of the flaps on the head like underneath the shell and so just you know i just remember like starting you know you'd smell that glue and like you know you were being sealed in oh my god i could see through like a tiny slit under the eye. Okay. Um, and so that's that's how, but it was incredibly limited vision. And there were a lot of times on close-ups where they had to seal that up so that we were working blind. And we, could, we would just <laughs> be able to, uh, because, you know, me and the other guys, like we had trained so much together that we in a sense, had to kinetically work together because we couldn't see each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and there were times, <laughs> you know, where things, you know, we bang into each other or whatever. But a lot <laughs> of the times, you know, we were just... it. I have a sense that the fact that there were times where we ha- had to work blind or with very limited vision, that it in a sense, required us to access these other senses. Um, And that, in a sense, I think that came through um, into the film. That's what ninjas do. They do that. Exactly. Yeah, and it really forced us to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, people connected so much to these characters um because we you know we did our best to you know we were so challenged um like it was such it was such a uh it almost challenged us to work as so deeply that you know i think our characters just came you know came through the costumes yep I, I completely agree with that. I can see that as you're saying that. Yeah. How come you didn't come back for the sequel or anything else after that? Well, I had made a mental note to myself because I had seen, I was starting to meet like some of the other um, actors who had been doing things with, with the creature shop for a while. And I could see like, that was a whole path, like a whole career path. Mm-hmm of playing these, you know, kinds of, um, you know, creatures that are, you know, in costume. And I, I just knew that I, 
was going to commit fully to this first one, but I, it wasn't something that I wanted to make as my career. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was, um, and I was also, by the time they did talk to me about doing the second one, um, I was, I was recurring on law and order at that time. Mm. And, and that just felt more, you know, that, that was just the trajectory, um, you know, I chose to take and I'm so glad I did, you know, I did the first one, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go down that path. Yeah. And I know like Leaf and I, I, the other three guys did go down that path and that's, you know, that's awesome. You know, it's, um, no, no, no judgment. It just wasn't, um, the direction I wanted to go. And the direction you went was amazing. I, I remember when I finally figured out who you were after, I think it was late nineties. I figured out who you were. Um, I think it was watching Scream 3, and I was like, oh, my God, there's Raphael right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ray Donovan and uh, Upcoming Joker, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I'm super psyched. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's the script is it's one of the best movies I've ever read. Wow. And it's just very much has the feel of like early De Niro movies. Yeah, I can I can uh, see that. Like it like it has a total Taxi Driver vibe and a, and a King of Comedy vibe. It's not like a superhero mm-hmm. movie. It's like a character study of this guy. I can't talk about it too much. Nope, but I know of, of this guy who's. It's the origin story, and it's just it's a character study instead of a superhero movie, and it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Well, I am definitely looking forward to it, and I mean, I love yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. I know he's like a method actor, isn't he? Um, I I would say so. I mean, I don't I don't know. You know, I'll I'll say that he fully goes there. Yeah, he fully you know. And whatever um, techniques and approaches he uses, you know, I don't know um, the exact definition of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I will say he commits fully and, you know, it just he raises the bar of commitment mm-hmm. of like we're doing this and we're going, <laughs> you know, we're going as deep as we can. Yeah, um, it looks amazing. So, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, me too. Me too. Do you have anything else coming up or anything else you wanted to promote real quick? Um, well, I'm in a couple weeks starting season seven of Ray Donovan. Yes. So going back to that. And I just finished uh, filming this HBO series uh, that I'm also recurring on. It's called Mrs. Fletcher. Um, it was created by Tom Parada. Okay. Uh, uh, the guy that did the leftovers uh also on hbo and it's with katherine hahn and um just really fun and really deep and uh, just about just about modern sexuality basically about what you know what the new rules are and how people deal with just just sex in this time uh when there's so much you know it's just a very rich topic right now what's what's what it means Mm -hmm. and what the rules are and what um so that was awesome that was super fun and then the other thing i have coming out in the fall is this movie called motherless brooklyn that um edward norton directed also amazing script and I worked with uh, Bruce Willis and Alec Baldwin, Willem Dafoe. Oh, wow. Uh, and Edward. It's just going to be an amazing film. It's going to be, I mean, I, I haven't seen all of it, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, when I was doing looping on it, like it just, uh, you know, I saw scenes and pieces um, and it just, it has that feel of an Academy film. Like okay. it's just a major movie about some really important topics and and it's also 
you know, it's set in the 1950s in New okay. York, but it's really about it. It it has a lot of uh, reverberations to what's happening in the country politically now. Oh, perfect. So it's a it's a really rich movie. Yeah, I'm looking at that, and the cast alone is is the reason to see it. But it sounds even more amazing as you tell it. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal cast. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. Well, all right, Josh. No, seriously, thank you so much for your time today. Like I said, this movie still, I still have a special spot for it in my heart. And thank you so much for the voice and the attitude you gave to Raphael. I really, really did love it. Uh, you're so welcome. I'm I'm glad it had an impact. Thanks for listening to that Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.